As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey, everybody. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All that stuff. If you're a Browns fan, it's the happiest of holidays. The Browns are 10 and 4. Um, and something that we didn't think possible two months ago, or really even three days ago, is they're still alive in the division race. Uh, they have not clinched even a playoff spot. They might not clinch a playoff spot this week. Uh, we assume by now you know the scenarios. You certainly know the excitement. You know the offense has hit another gear. Uh, with the past game in the last four weeks. The Browns are playing well. They carry themselves like they're playing well. Um, And we'll see. They're certainly an interesting team. They're certainly – I was going to use a surprising. And, and yeah, the surprising fits, but they're a competent team. They're a competitive team. And they're really good in some areas, and that's exciting. Um, You know, under normal circumstances, full stadiums and whatever, going back-to-back in the same stadium, playing a one-win Jets team – might be a little more dangerous. Um, it's still a big game. The Jets finally won last week. The Jets have been competitive. Um, you know, we'll see what happens there. I'd expect the Browns to win, <laughs> and the Browns need to win. So this is December 23rd as we record this. You'll probably be listening on Christmas Eve or Christmas or maybe even Saturday or Sunday before the game. So um, no Wyatt Teller again, which is expected. Chris Hubbard done for the year officially. So the rookie Nick Harris is the guy at right guard for now. Uh, he stepped in and was solid. We will see how that works out. I mean, looking ahead to next week, you would like to have Wyatt Teller back against the Steelers, obviously, especially in a game of consequence. We will see if that happens. Sandejo's coming back. Um, Malcolm Smith out right now. He's played a lot. And, you know, we know Mac Wilson was a healthy scratch last week at linebacker. So the linebacker group has been better, I think. At least it's been solid, better than a lot of people expected, at least in stretches. You know, B.J. Goodson comes to mind as – Having a strong year. Taki Taki looks like he belongs out there too. But Mac Wilson, a healthy scratch. Jacob Phillips to the starting lineup. And, and Malcolm Smith, a guy who's a 10-year vet, 31 years old, um, has played well. But he, he didn't practice Wednesday. Sheldon Richardson didn't practice Wednesday. But the good news there is Stefanski said they expect to have him. I mean, the Browns are good when the D-line is good, right? And you need Sheldon Richardson, who's been an active player, disruptive player. And, um, yeah, he will be fired up to play the Jets. 
one of his old teams. Ronnie Harrison back at practice. So does that mean he'll play this week? I don't know that quite yet, but we know Ronnie Harrison is the best of the safety bunch. And, you know, that's not saying a whole lot, but he's a good player, was playing well before the injury. So just to see him back on the practice field going through the paces and think that he'll be back in a week if it's not this week, or maybe they ease him in and play him 15 snaps, uh, that's certainly positive. So lots of positive vibes going around. You know, um, Miles Garrett might not get the franchise sack, uh, single season sack record. You know, you just need him to get his win back. He has been pretty open about struggling with the COVID after effects. Both backs probably aren't going to get to 1,000. Browns still run it really well. Uh, they've used the pass game to open things up offensively. So, like I said, things are good. Um, you worry about attrition and injuries, and Chris Hubbard was certainly an under-the-radar important player. But the show does go on, and it goes back to MetLife Stadium uh, this Sunday. So, Without further ado, enough of me. I'm going to bring in my colleague who covers the Jets, Connor Hughes. Uh, we're going to talk about this week's game. We're going to talk about covering an almost 0-16 team. Uh, just kind of talk about where these franchises are. And, you know, the deeper we get into that discussion, Browns fans, I think you'll start to appreciate just how far your team has come. So let's dial up Connor right now. All right, as promised, we go out. Uh, we bring in Connor Hughes, who's been covering the Jets. Um you know, usually, guys, we, we know we're going to have our after-the-game podcast right after the game or at worst Monday morning. And then later in the week, it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday, depending on circumstances, but we don't really spend but 20 minutes plotting it out. This one has been in the works for a month because the Jets were supposed to be on their way to 0-16, and we were going to share some stories and some memories. Then the Jets went to L.A. last week and won the game. Connor, what in the hell were they doing? Oh, man, you know, I think this is where – you sometimes see, and and I think you've you maybe have experienced. I think the Browns might have actually been a little bit of a different situation because Hugh came back after being, or Hugh came back after that 0 16 season. But but it's difficult for an NFL team to actually tank because you have so many different things at play. You know what I mean? Like like coaches aren't when you're a lame duck coach like Gase. I mean, he's not doing everything he can to lose games so that the guy who he gets to replace gets the generational quarterback in, in, uh, in Trevor Lawrence, you know, the players aren't on the field trying to lose because they want to go and, and help the, the, the team win a championship that they're not going to be a part of, you know, players are playing to win coaches are coaching to win, unless you're kind of in that funky little situation that Hugh was in a few years ago. So it's so tough to actually tank, despite the fact, you know, the front office and, and management and stuff like that, we're hoping the jets would lose. So I think what you had on, on Sunday was was the perfect storm of future disaster for the Jets because you had a, a, a players that have been playing hard throughout this entire season. You have a coach that is doing what he can to, to not be a guy that has an 0-16 season on his resume. And you have a Rams team that went out there for the first 30 minutes of that game and just didn't play. I mean, it was seriously like, like the Rams had... I think it was under like 70 yards of offense through the first 28 minutes of that game before they went on a little two minute drive to end the first half that ended in a field goal. You know, the jets were, were slapping them in the face and and swinging away and the Rams were just kind of taking it. So it, it was one of those things where the Rams just slept walk the first 30 minutes of that game. They didn't do anything the first 30 minutes of that game and they allowed the jets to stay in it. And then they just weren't able to, to make up the ground in the second half and the jets won a 23, 20 game. And now the Rams are left licking their wounds, and for the Jets, they've got a, a meaningless win on it, a win on their resume, and a win on their record that 
at the end of the day could very well cost them arguably the greatest passing prospect that that we've seen in my lifetime and, and maybe even even your lifetime or, or going back to even John Elway, you know, that kind of that kind of a prospect. Yeah, um, I'll start with with how I relate, um, you know, from afar, I've noticed that the Jets have played hard. Right. And then obviously everybody knows about Greg Williams and I want to get to him, but they have. <laughs> and you spin that back three years ago this month. Um, the Browns mostly played hard. You know, it was clear at midpoint of that season that one win was their ceiling. But in December, you know, with three or four games left, they had one that maybe they not sh- should have won, but certainly could have won against the Packers. And then in week 17 that year, they played the Steelers JV team and they had them beat. I mean, Corey Coleman drops a touchdown pass or the Browns win. So it's not easy to go 0-16, and it's not supposed to happen. Um, We all know that. So kudos to the players who keep playing hard. I guess my first question would be, now that they got that off their backs, right, um, have they really been better, Connor, this last month, or now is it 1-2-3 Cancun and the Browns just go in there and dominate on on Sunday? Uh, No, I mean, no, they've been been pretty – pretty friggin' awful <laughs> like like there is a, a legitimate talent issue you know what I mean like like there is a a serious problem with the players that are on the field and the players on the field being able to win games I mean the the Jets starting three receivers right now are Denzel Mims who's a pretty good player Jamison Crowder is a pretty good player but then Brashad Perryman you know Mims while he's got a high ceiling and and probably a good future in the NFL He's probably not starting on too many other teams. He's probably every other team's number three option, and he's the Jets' number one. Jamison Crowder is a legitimate good slot receiver, but a slot receiver only makes so much of an impact if you don't have anyone outside him. Brashad Perryman has been a massive disappointment for the Jets just because he can't stay healthy, and and even when he's on the field, you know, he can stretch the field, he can get deep, he's got speed, but he's really not – he hasn't blossomed in the way the Jets hoped he was going to blossom based off of the good solid final month of the season that he had with the, the uh, Buccaneers last year, Chris Herndon, their tight end has been an an utter disaster this season. Uh, The Adam Gase is absolutely infatuated with 37 year old Frank Gore that he refuses to use the younger guys and and LaMichael P Ryan and Ty Johnson guys who might actually have some talent, just doesn't use them. And, And the Jets offensive line, is bad and it's been bad for the last decade. And as good as Makai Becton is, he's really the only notable player that they have on that front. And then in the secondary, you've got bless Austin and Bryce Hall and Javelin Guidry as your starting corners. Those guys aren't starting on any other team. You know, Marcus May is a pretty good safety, but you've got Arthur Mallette, a converted nickel corner starting next to him because of injuries. The Jets still don't have a pass rusher. The only dominant force they have was Quinnen Williams, and he landed on the injured reserve or is going to land on the injured reserve this week once he passes the concussion protocol because of a neck issue. So the Jets are the Jets are a bad team. And and as hard as they fight and and as much as they might claw and as much as they try to keep might try to keep themselves in games, they just don't have the talent to compete with virtually any other team. And a lot of times when you see the Jets somehow find themselves in games, it's more because the opponent is playing down to them and the opponent takes them lightly and the opponent looks past them. So, I mean, the only way that the Brown, I mean, the Browns should win this game by three or four touchdowns, honestly, like like they, they genuinely should. I mean, Miles Garrett should have his way with the front. I mean, Baker Mayfield should pick apart this secondary. They should have no issue shutting down the Jets passing game and they should have no issue bottling up a 37 year old Frank Gore who, who really fades after probably the first two or three possessions of a game. Now, 
The way that this could flip is, is will the Cleveland Browns come out and sleep like the Rams did, or will they play down like the Raiders did? You know, that's kind of the only way the Jets find themselves in games because while they have the effort and while they fight hard, they're poorly coached in terms of schematically, and they really just don't have the talent to make up for for uh, for the the difference of all the opponents that they're facing. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um... Yeah, I think I know, and, and Browns fans know Sam Darnold pretty well. We, now we haven't seen a ton of them, right? Because even last year, the the hyped Monday night game is when he got mono and and Miles Garrett just beat on who was left. But you know, Connor, during the Browns' zero and sixteen season, they played in L.A. Um, I went and watched Sam Darnold play. I went and spent time in his hometown and at his high school. You know, uh, he was going to be the number one pick, and then he wasn't. Uh, Baker Mayfield was. Baker's been up and down, and over the last month, he's back up. He's rookie Baker, but better, handling things better. Um, it hasn't gone well for Sam. It certainly all has not been Sam's fault. But what will people who, you know, Browns fans see out of Sam Darnold this version um, come Sunday afternoon? They're going to see one that, that makes John Dorsey look like an absolute genius for passing on him. I mean, the the regression that Sam has experienced this year has been – like nothing anyone saw coming. I mean, the the Jets, the final month of Sam's rookie year, it really did look like the Jets had their guy. I mean, it, it, it literally looked like the Jets finally had their franchise quarterback, the first one since Joe Namath. I mean, I know the Jets went like one and three or one and four during the final month of Sam's rookie year, but he threw six touchdowns, one pick, had like a 99 point something quarterback rating. I mean, he was making plays throwing to Jermaine Curse and Andre Roberts and Deontay Burnett, guys that aren't even in the league anymore, or Andre Roberts is, but he's a special teamer. I mean, he was making plays thrown to those guys that were like, wow. I mean, really? And then the Jets sign Adam Gase, and, and he's supposed to make Sam Darnold a franchise quarterback. And and in year two, he, he did take a lot of steps forward. I mean, he, he improved in, in every single statistical category, whether it was his record as a starting quarterback, completion percentage, passing yards, touchdowns, the interceptions were down, more rushing touchdowns. I mean, he improved in every statistical category, um, but really didn't take that next step to say like, oh, he's a franchise guy, but you chalk that up because he missed a month of mono and the Jets had no offensive line and they had receiver problems. And this year, 2020, was supposed to be the season that Sam became a franchise quarterback. You know, Christopher Johnson, the Jets CEO owner with Woody over in the UK, he expected him to be a franchise quarterback. Joe Douglas expected him to be a franchise quarterback. Adam Gase expected him to show that he is a franchise quarterback. And instead, 
Look, I mean, you can blame the receivers around Sam Darnold. The Jets certainly have. You can blame inconsistent offensive line play. The Jets certainly have. You can blame Adam Gates. The fans certainly have. But a lot of this falls on Sam's shoulders as well because he's been he's been dreadful this season, man. I mean, seriously, he, he's been absolutely awful. He's 1-9 as a starting quarterback. His completion percentage is 59.7. He's only thrown for 1,700 yards in 10 starts. Nine touchdowns in 10 starts, man. Nine. That's it. Nine passing touchdowns. And in the 2020 NFL where, where Jalen Hurts, the second round pick is coming in for the Eagles and going for 303. Sam's got six. I'm sorry. Sam has six passing touchdowns this season, six passing touchdowns in 10 games, nine interceptions. I mean, that's 2020 when everyone's throwing for a boatload of yards, Sam's got six. I mean, that's just, it's just not, it's not good. His quarterback rating is a 70.7. His QBR is a 43.2. He's thrown for over 200 yards three times in those 10 starts. Three times he's thrown for more than more than 200 yards. He's been touchdownless five times. So it's not even that that the he's looked bad. Like I said, it, it's been ugly. Like I said, but the regression from the quarterback that he was the final month of his rookie season to showing still some promise in 2019 to now being a guy that was obviously going to be replaced by Trevor Lawrence. But now we're talking about being replaced by Zach Wilson out of BYU. It's 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 sad. And and the Jets did beat the Rams last week, but in no way, shape, or form did, did Sam light up the scoreboard. I mean, he threw one touchdown, no picks, and 207 yards, and it was probably his best performance of the season. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. if Baker went out there uh, against the Ravens or if Baker went out there against the Steelers or any of these other teams, the Browns have played and he threw for 207 yards and one touchdown. I mean, how would you guys be analyzing his play? Because over here in New York, it's like, Oh wow. Look, look at how much better Sam played this week. And it was literally 207 passing yards and one touchdown. Like that, that's the, that's the benchmark we've gotten to with him. And well, we did I that did. for 20 years here in Cleveland. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. And, and that's, and that was part of the deal with Baker. He was so good for, seven eight ish games his rookie year that everybody immediately crowned him right yeah um and then you know he he hit the skids and then this year he didn't play well uh he flat out did not play well in the first half of the year but he has he has played really well and at times great lately and they've taken that next step um his first run was with greg williams as his interim coach (laughs) and then they went to freddie kitchens who was calling the offense and he and baker were dancing on the sidelines and john dorsey made a decision that would ultimately cost him his job too, but he just thought you couldn't break that up. Right. Um, people would always around. say last year when it went South, why didn't they just keep Greg Williams? And I would just say, the guy is toxic. The guy is toxic. You just, that's not an option. <laughs> and so um, I don't know if you want to include the, the pastor rugs or not, but what was the Greg Williams experience like this year uh, with the jets? It's, I think it was what it is everywhere. You know, I mean, I've said this to people like, when you hire Greg Williams and when anyone hires Greg Williams, you get that shock factor. You know what I mean? Like, especially when, and he was so good for the jets his first year because they were coming from Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers who were monotone, never too high, never too low. Like Todd would yell occasionally, but for the most part, I mean, he was a very even killed mild, mild mannered guy. And when you go from that to Greg Williams, I mean, there is like a, a shock when you're getting called, an MF or every time and you're getting called a candy ass and, and you're getting screamed and yelled and being uh, basically made fun of to your face for your mistakes. I mean, there's like that initial shock 
that you just you get amped up and you're ready to go and you're you're rock you're you're rolling you know what i mean like you're like yeah let's go let's like i'm fired up like oh yeah greg like you get that fire under your ass but eventually when when you're screamed at and yelled at and and just ridiculed like you are with greg williams every single day eventually that that personality starts falling on deaf ears and you started seeing the jet defense which was so good last year they were not so good this year under Greg Williams. I mean, they were remarkably undisciplined. I think at the time that he was fired, they were leading the league in both unnecessary roughness calls and defensive personal fouls. So they were were wildly undisciplined. I mean, Greg, to a point, had had kind of stopped blitzing, which and stopped some of the exoticness, exoticness because he didn't trust his secondary. But still, I mean, his defense was letting up thirty point game after thirty point game, and and he really turned a lot of people in the organization off, not just Adam Gase, but, but all the way up to ownership with Christopher Johnson and Joe Douglas and, and everything like that. When he was asked by us in a zoom call, um, why his defense had allowed, you know, had, had been struggling so much with the 30 points and all that. And he said, you know, yeah, that's not a good number, but it's not all on the defense and it's not all defensively. And then went on. I remember this. (laughs) Yeah. And then the funny thing is, is like he was asked to expand on that. And instead of walking it back and realizing like, Oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. He goes, you can figure it out. You know, and this is while Adam Gase, like the team's winless at the time. They're, they're doing everything they can to keep the locker room together. And Greg goes out and says that. Yeah. We saw So it's, it's, it is, it's Greg. It's, 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 you know, if you've covered Greg or if you've followed a team that Greg has coached, you know what you're getting with him and you get the boom. The first year is always good, but then it runs its course and he's out of there in two or three years. And it's happened basically every single stop he's been at dating back to maybe the saints. I think the saints, he was with more than three years, but that's it. It's been two, three years and he's gone two, three years and he's gone two, three years as he's gone. And if he wants to keep coaching, it'll be the same thing in another team. Yeah. And it's always passing the buck too. Um, mm-hmm. You would think that that he's a fraud. I'll so be honest with you. He's a fraud. He's fake. He's a, he's a phony. Like I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I learned that very early on from Greg and you can tell when he talks. And, and I, I remember speaking to a couple other reporters on the sideline his first year. And, and it was obviously the shock you're writing about it. Oh, how crazy Greg Williams is. I remember turning to one guy. I mean, like, I wonder how long this lasts, how long before one of those players that that's making sure. millions and millions of dollars is tired of hearing it. And it's just, sure. Like, yeah, I mean, he's like, I don't know if he did this in Cleveland. Now he does the thing in like the, the initial, the Jets warm up period where they're all doing individual drills where he just shouts out the time that's left on the clock, like three minutes, three minutes. And he just like does it over. It's like, what are you doing? Like the players can look at the clock. They don't need you with your hands crossed in the middle of the field, screaming at them how much time is left in each drill. Like you just don't, it's just, it's, it was such an act. And it was always known more than the cameras on you and knowing who's why. Oh, it's just, it, he, uh. The Jets were ready to move on. I'll leave it at that. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Let's hit a couple quick things here uh, before we go. So, true story. Um, you know, obviously, I've watched Trevor Lawrence. Right, I'm used to covering teams that need need quarterbacks. But last Saturday, um, my day 
dictated that I was able to watch really every play of the second and third quarters of that Clemson Notre Dame game, Connor. And here I was making sure that I wrote down, making sure that I emailed to myself how impressed I was with him and making sure that I'd write this week about how important it was that the Jets didn't win the game. And then they won or didn't win a game in relation to this week's game against the Browns. And then they won last week's game and that was all moot. I mean, just, I really think he's going to be great. I really, really do. And it's, it's amazing that it happened the way that it happened. Oh, you have no idea, man. I did the same. I remember making calls like I ground week once when the Jets lost to the Broncos and Brett Ripon was when I was like, holy crap, they might actually have a chance to go out in 16. And I was like, that'll put him in position for Lawrence. I remember making calls to, to scouts and agents and, and stuff like that. And I remember I called one, uh, one personnel director at a, uh, at an NFC team. And I was like, man, I was like, is this kid the real, the real deal? Like how good is he? And he said, I'll tell you what, Connor, he goes, I can give you one negative thing about him. And he, I was like, what's that? I'm thinking like, all right, maybe he doesn't make reads. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He goes, he needs to learn to slide. I was like, that's all you got? He goes, that's all I've got. The only negative on this kid, the only negative in the book is he's got to learn to slide and stop taking the hits he does like when he takes off and runs. And I was like, man, I might get to cover this kid for the next 12 years. And and nope, that one that one went out the door pretty quick. All right. Um, for Sunday, you know, the Browns are new at this double-digit favorites, although I guess it's slipped under 10, but they're more than a touchdown favorite on the road. They weren't even the case. That wasn't even the case last year when Trevor Simeon was on the other side. Um, we know all the pressures on the Browns, right? Um, and the Jets have been more competitive. So what is the doomsday scenario for Browns fans? Like if the Jets play well, you know, what, how, how does it go? What's, what's that look like? I mean, that's the thing It's the Jets, the Jets played well against the Rams and they scored 23 points and, and the Jets, you know, played well in some of these other teams. And if they, if they play like, I'll be honest, like watching the Jets and being like, wow, their offense looks good means they score two touchdowns. Like that's honestly what what the the barrier here is. So even if the Jets come out and play their hearts out and play well and look good, it's like, okay, they scored 20 points this week. So it's it's honestly what, it, what it's going to take because it, it, there is such a talent discrepancy, which we were talking about a little bit ago. It, it's going to take... Cleveland just laying an egg that that they're looking forward to week 17. They're looking at the jets as a, we've got a chance to win the division. If the Steelers lose a game and we win, blah, blah, blah. We're going to, you know, we still got a chance here and they just sleep on the jets and they wait until the second half to get going. And by that time it's, it's kind of, it, you know, the, the game may be a little bit out of hand or, or the jet defense makes a couple plays or their turnovers, but Unless Baker goes turnover crazy, unless they really fall victim to the trap game, they got no shot, man. I mean, the, the Jets are – they're not just a bad team. They just have no talent. And and talent in the NFL means means an awful lot. You know, and maybe you can make up for it a little bit with good coaching, but the Jets don't have that either. So there there's not – it's going it's gonna to take a, a miracle for, for the Jets to, to win this one and win back-to-back. All right, um, before we get out of here, if they do it again next year – and I don't, I don't think they're on the schedule, and the Browns certainly are going to finish fourth. But anyway, next December, who's the Jets quarterback? Uh, um, I will say it's not Sam. I, I think it'll either be I, – I haven't ruled out the Jaguars beating the Bears this year. Actually, weekend. they are on the schedule, I think. Did Am I right? I don't know. I'm used I, to December looking at next year. I just haven't Yeah, they're both any. always in last place, so there's always right. like, oh, we're going to <laughs> Cleveland again, or oh, Cleveland's coming here. It's been like the, my yearly trip to Cleveland. Uh, I go there as much as the combine and Indy, but um, 
No, they're, uh, I, I think it, I think there's still a chance it's Trevor Lawrence. I do. Um, but I would put, I would say if it's not, if it's not Trevor, if the Jaguars don't win against the bears and I mean, cause the, if the Jaguars beat the bears, the jets going to get Lawrence cause they're not going to beat the Patriots. I mean, they'll find a way to lose that game. Um, it doesn't matter what they'll, they'll find a way to lose it. Um, but it'll I think it'll either be Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson. It'll be one of those two kids. So you think they're definitely moving on from Sam Darnold then? Yeah. It's, it's gotten to the point now where you just, you don't know you're not going to be picking number two often and you can't risk losing out. If if Joe Douglas likes Wilson, if he likes fields uh, he's got to take them because you're just rolling the dice with Darnold. And, And the best case scenario is that, he looks marginally better next year with better talent and he looks like he might be the quarterback, but then you got to pay him. So it's just, it's better to restart the clock, move on from Sam, trade him for a two and a five, a two, maybe a three and a five, maybe just a three, uh, but move on from get those picks, restart the rookie quarterback contract meter and and go at it with either Wilson or, or fields or, or obviously the, the best case scenario is Lawrence. Well, Browns fans, I know you're not going to exhale based on not having anything clinched yet, but the way Baker has played the last month, you can exhale based upon you won't be in the quarterback market this offseason as it's been. Connor, thank you. Uh, to all the listeners, thank you. Enjoy the holiday. Keep on clicking on The Athletic. Keep on, keep on listening to Civilized Barking. We will have another podcast after Sunday's game. As always, we'll have full coverage of the Browns. We might have a playoff clinch on Sunday. We might be counting down to a winner-takes-all game. Week 17 on Sunday night. Thanks again. Talk to you soon.